Bob and Jeremy's Conflab. The Reality Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Bob and Jeremy's Conflab. So this um, podcast follows on from the one we did a little while ago about company values. We talked about whether company values were or were they not BS. And I think if you listen to that episode, you will concur that in many cases they are. And what comes from that is this idea that you have a a company value like integrity or trust or um, uh, loyalty and things like that, or company values. And then what tends to take place is what we call disloyal bonding. Disloyal bonding. Now, Jeremy, I must give you credit for this. Uh, This is a term that you coined, and I can't think of a better way of describing it, really. But to be very specific, disloyal bonding is when a member of your team sides with the customer against their own company. So if you like, they're being disloyal to the company they they work for, and then they bond in a false way with the customer to give the customer what they want. And we are going to look at the seriousness of this. We hope to have some humor too. In fact, Bob, you'll be pleased to know in my research and preparation for this episode, I have in front of me the blog I wrote on, and it was published on December the 19th last year before we knew where the world would go. And I think it might be quite good to dip into sections of that blog to help people understand what we're saying. And I've got a wonderful little, little, you know, one to kick us off. And we should say for people listening, right now, the UK have this situation where you can eat out for half price. And I'm talking about coffee, which is where a lot of people's disposable income is spent. And there's an independent in my town. And I went in, and this is what happened. And this is the start of my blog. And this will help you understand what it is. We'll then get into some examples. We'll get into some solutions. We'll talk about managers and lots more. So here we go. I asked the person handing me the coffee cup, are your lids compostable? I have no idea, comes the reply. I check my lid. 100% compostable, reads the embossed vegware. They are, I say. Oh, we don't recycle anything here. It all just goes in one big bin accompanied by their eyes rising to heaven expression. Now, that person, are they sort of bonding with me and sharing the secret that even though the owners of this coffee shop are buying compostable ware, they don't really care? Does that make me like them more? It's a really strange approach to trying to get on with the customer. Now, there are many examples of disloyal bonding. Um, It can be very, very minor. So it could be something like you're walking in a shop and um, you uh, can't find what you're looking for, and the person goes, "Oh, I'm sorry, we've run out of them. We're not gonna, we're not gonna have a delivery till next week. So I'm afraid we're not gonna have." No, it's typical, you know, typical, you know. And so they start to sort of blame the system, the process, mm. for the reason why they haven't got what it is you're, you're looking for. So that's a very minor way of doing it, but it's still saying our company's so rubbish we can't stock our shop effectively. So that's do, what you're do you think it, as we you know it's useful asking the question now that it's subconscious. 
in some cases, because what you're doing is you're protecting yourself. You don't want to be open to criticism yourself, so you think it's much safer to blame the company. So that's a very minor example. But you, I've, I've got a slightly more yes, major one. Go so I've got a son starting sixth form. He has the joys of wearing a suit. He no longer has to wear school uniform. Mm. Um, and very, well, I suppose some guidelines on what kind of suits. I've been looking for a suit for my son. And we're looking at this one, and the guy says, look, if you hang on a week, you are going to get that suit for 20% less. You get 20% off. Now, that devalued the suit in my mind. It was a strange feeling. We'd made the decision to come out and buy a suit today. We told him this. He had all the pre-information to sell to us. And it was kind of a very odd feeling we were left with. He thought he was doing you a favor. He did. He did, but he wasn't. He was actually messing up my brain, really, and making me think, does he not appreciate that it's worth the money that they're asking for it? No. My son looked fantastic in it. And then it was a question of taking it off again and waiting for it. Now, why offer me time to wait when I'm at the height of my excitedness, at least my son, is to buy him a suit? It's, it's like a, an awful bad habit mm. that people have got in. And I would say... It's mostly in business-to-consumer selling, but it definitely lives in business-to-business. Oh, yeah. And I think the software world probably has more of this than the SaaS world than other markets currently. I've got another good example, which is uh, travel companies we worked with in the past. Not all, I hasten to add, but some of them. Um, they allow this all the time. And what you get a lot in travel is travel agents who are looking up holidays for customers and they immediately make the choice as to whether or not a holiday is too expensive or not for mm. that customer. So they look up a holiday to a certain destination and they go, oh, that, that's a bit expensive. Now they're making that judgment. And what they're actually saying is that holiday isn't worth the money. So they're saying that the holidays that we are selling to this destination, this particular place, I don't think they're worth that amount of money. So that is really damaging your brand by making that choice for your customer. Um, and that, again, is disloyal bonding because what you're hoping is that the customer will go, oh, that's kind of you to divert me away from that holiday that wasn't worth the money. But that's the agent's judgment, not yours, not anybody else's. And actually, that holiday might be well worth the money. So it's, again, it's a, it's a habit, and it is also um, taking the decision away from the customer, which is one of the worst things you could do. Well, if I connect our other episodes, the very first episode we launched was the age of targeting is over. And we do know that managers who have to hit targets might have certain inventory they wish to sell. They may even be in a position where they might want to sell a cheaper holiday or particular service because it has a target around it. So there's all sorts of things that, that shift people's behavior. Um, I've got, a, I've got a, a little sojourn, which I think when I was writing this blog is worth sharing. Do you remember growing up, and you, Bob, being that much older than me, must remember this. Um, in the 1970s, and, I've, and my grandfather, you know, his works, I used to see this, there were kind of signs in, in sections of the offices, I only work here, um, you know, admin, admin have messed up, you'll have to come around the back, or um, it, it doesn't, you don't have to be mad to be in this department, but it helps. All of that sort of stuff was mildly humorous attempts of another age. And the fact, the fact that accounts payable didn't know what operations was up to is very different to hundreds of people 
telling you that they don't value their clothes, don't value the service, don't value the products, don't value the food. It's very different. That's an internal kind of <laughs> trying to have a, a jape with a customer. But this is deeply more dangerous to your brand because your salespeople, your service people are your brand to your consumers or your business customers. So it, it goes far deeper. So hopefully we've given people enough examples of this and they're already well, thinking, ooh, I might have a bit of this. The other one, which is well worth talking about, is we've all had people either on the phone or face-to-face who say, I'm just going to check with my manager. Ooh, yes. So 90% of these managers are invisible, okay? They don't need to check with their manager. They're just playing a game. Now, they think that they're saying to you, I'm going to do you a favor by getting permission to do this for you. But what they're actually saying is... This company is so rubbish that I am not empowered as an individual to make this choice. And that actually damages the way we feel about the brand. So anybody who says I need to check with a manager and you sense that manager doesn't exist, or even if they do need to check with a manager, you think, my God, you haven't even got the, um, the kind of decision-making ability on something like this. That makes me think that this brand is, you know, really in trouble. And here's the irony. These are often the very same companies say, we trust our people to make decisions. Well, you don't. You've just asked them to check with their managers because you don't trust them. In fact, as soon as I hear that expression, I just need to check with my manager. I'm thinking, oh, right. So everything we've done up till now. And I think if the manager's there, that's one thing. But a lot of it is disloyal bonding. There is no manager there. And then you come back and agree a discount or apply a discount because you seem to have the ability to find some extra money off. Mm. You're listening to Bob and Jeremy's Conflab, brought to you by Reality Training. Reality Training are a leading sales and management training company specialising in helping big brands do much better through increasing their sales, their customer experiences, and the way that their managers deal with their people. You can find out much more about us at our website, realitytraining.com. So we've given you lots of examples, and I'm sure you've all experienced this, but what, what do we do about this? What do we do about a company or an organization that have disloyal bonding ingrained? And let's just move on to this other area here. Not only do we have individuals doing this, either in teams or in face-to-face scenarios, you also sometimes get managers encouraging it. Oh, this customer didn't want to buy that. Really? Well, tell them this. Tell them that. So the manager actually brings up poor behaviors that they used to engage in and gets you to use it to then get the sale. So they're encouraging that disloyal bonding. And once you've heard it in one team, it affects another team. And then that becomes ingrained across an organization. And there are many large organizations who have terrible customer service reputations just because of this very problem. I mean... The Peter principle, if we think about people being, whatever the word is, what are we saying, um, promoted, recruited to higher positions up to their level of incompetence, you may have sales managers, team leaders who are now in a management position where the only way they feel they'll ever hit a target is if they actually encourage or turn a very blind eye to certain disloyal bonding behaviors of certain team members. In fact, Bob and I, if you think back over our nearly 20 years of training, how many people are allowed to be complete mavericks doing the wrong types of behaviors with customers, 
but they bring in enough sales so we'll we won't really look too closely at their disloyal bonding antics um and when some new sales directors or people come in and they hear about this then there's often bad things happen or good things happen people are removed and you know you have a bit of a change of of behaviors but it is about behavior it's about habits i think a lot of people have no idea that what they're doing is disloyal bonding i mean to give you an example when i was a student i worked at the gap and used to come visit me in oxford and i had my 50% off the clothes i remember one day i was asked to to manage the till and i said whoa 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 gosh why he said well, i've got to go to thurrock and i thought wow okay and I was sort of promoted this position of running the till. And I, my first question I asked, what do I do with people complaining? He said, maximum 10% off. And what I did that day was I was extremely good at applying lots of 10% off because I thought it would make customers get on with it. These eye holes on these kind of trainers aren't quite good. Oh, well, don't worry, madam, we'll give you 10% off. I was, I was very effective at a form of disloyal bonding. Again, the wrong training. And out it comes that that chap on the till was very happy to devalue his Gap clothing on that particular day. So what do we do about this? Um, I think you also have lots of organizations who at the very top are probably unaware that this sort of thing is going on. And if they did clamp down on it, they might see a serious drop yes, in their sales. Yeah. And you can see why they would not want that necessarily to happen. At the same time, the people at the very top want their organization to have a great reputation, to be trusted, to have a great customer service uh, record. They want all those things, and yet many are quite happy to allow this sort of thing to continue. In fact, it's funny because we're here recording in a hotel in Cobham, and we've got Anne and Maxime with us here today. And one of the first things that we all chatted about, having not seen each other for months, was great customer service examples through this lockdown period. Sure. And actually what we're talking about is the very opposite of disloyal bonding. We're talking about great examples of loyal bonding. People, in fact, none of our examples are we praising individuals who knock money off. Are we praising, we're praising people who did the right thing. They listened intently. They offered a great solution. My wife had a fantastic experience uh, buying stuff for her and one of our daughters. Anne's had a fantastic uh, experience with a subscription challenge that she had. Maxine was raving on about a cat flap. Um, you know, no quibble. They really listened. There's a difference. They didn't just go, yeah, have a free one. They actually listened, asked the right questions, and then made the prescription of what the right thing to do was. That is so different. And they're telling us these stories on our first day back. That's how much customer service matters to us when we have a good experience. And yet, of course, in some of our breaks today, We've been doing lots of filming for some new programs. It's all been exciting. In our breaks, we've also shared poor experiences we've had. Well, I think um, this also leads us on to why we think this is important now, because as the economy comes back on track and companies are going to be desperate to get back some of the revenue that was lost through lockdown, if they are not careful, they could, through this sort of behavior, damage their brand still further. So they'll come back to work and think, right, we've got a chance to start selling stuff again. Let's do loads of disloyal bonding because we need to get our figures up. And that behavior in a year's time could kill a company because the, the reputation will be damaged uh, beyond um, repair. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the real issue. That's why it's so important that when companies have changed and they do have to change and they have to work out how they're going to get through and how they're going to survive, once they know they're in that situation, they then need to decide 
what is the right way to behave with our customers and to make sure we do it properly. Well, it's funny. I'm thinking of Jeffrey Gittimer, who's a, a very amusing, um, wise US sales trainer. He talks about most companies employ, without knowing it, a sales prevention officer. <laughs> you know, they're very good at saying, slowing salespeople down. No, you can't do that. And actually, they're head of sales prevention. In a kind of absurd way, there might be companies that don't know it, but they've got a head of disloyal bonding. Mm, They've actually got someone at the top who, through various emails, various meetings, various conferences, various, in huge inverted commas, sales strategy plans, is drip feeding a culture of disloyal bonding through the business because it might help them hit a short term target, as you were just saying. Absolutely. It might tee them up for the midterm. But what Bob and I are saying is over the longer term, disloyal bonding will completely, will eventually wipe you out. What's another interesting point, and I think this actually proves it, is that quite often, um, if you're in a sales situation uh, as a customer, if you hear um, the person you're talking to having a go at their competitors and saying, oh, you don't want to go with them, they're terrible, or you don't, you don't want to buy from them, or they're awful, you think, well, that's interesting that you're having a go at them. Um, but what you really want them to do is to say, whatever they're like, let me tell you what's so good about us. What you really want them to do is do a great job and prove their value to you. That stands out. That's integrity to say, I'm not going to stick the knife into competitors. I'm going to talk about what's so good about us. And you can make the comparison yourself. Now that's what should be happening. But all too often people will say, oh, they're terrible. They do this, they do that. And they'll actually make stuff up, which is not provable. And, uh, you know, that is also damaging because once you find out that it's not true, you've been missold something, that's when things get very serious indeed. So other solutions. Um, The big solution is empowerment. This is the big, big thing which is, is so essential. Making sure that every single person who works for you understands what they have the power to make a decision on. Now, there are brilliant brands that do this. I'm not going to name them, but there's a particular bank I know who years ago made the choice that they would allow all their frontline advisors uh, on the telephone to make the decision as to whether or not to extend someone's overdraft on a Monday morning. Because on Monday morning, they got lots of calls from people who'd overspent, who wanted to ex- extend their overdraft. These were all going to managers for decisions, and in 95% of cases, it was fine to do so, but the calls were taking five minutes longer than they needed to. So they said, right, let's empower everyone who takes the call to make that choice within certain confines, and we know that 95% of the time, it'll be okay. That one decision empowered the people, and it actually changed the reputation of that bank because they became known as the bank that are really good and really help you when you've overspent. I've got another, and it's to do with offers, and it's to do with incentives, it's to do with money off, because marketing departments right now are going to be creative, they're going to be coming up with all sorts of ideas. The simple point is, when the offer expires, it expires. Bob and I, our backgrounds were in media, and very often certain companies that we saw would operate a thing that, you know, the early bird is this price. And when people rung up two weeks later and wanted the early bird, if you granted it, you just sow a culture of it doesn't matter if you're organized, you can get in late. It's a very easy way to say, yeah, don't worry, I can still give you the low rate. No, they were late. And you only build integrity and all these other values that you want to have if you draw a line in the sand. And that's a great offer and it lasts now, but it will expire at that date. You know, all 
great marketeers stick to that core principle. What other solutions have we got? Um, I think um, the other big solution... Training, hey? <laughs> uh, well, of course, training is important. But in order to get that right, it must come from the top. You must have people at the very top of an organization understanding what damage this stuff can do and making sure that it filters down through all levels of management to the front line so that it's effective. And we do know that lots of people want feedback. I think maybe the one that I finish on is all companies want feedback. They want to hear how well they're doing. They want to hear, have an email in, enter into this survey. You buy something in a shop, you're given a receipt. Um, and, and I'm often handed a receipt and told I can win 250 quid. And that isn't why they want me to, to fill it in. They want me to tell them how good they are or what they can learn from. I wish that could be done more directly. You know, Churchill once said, when we ask for criticism, all we really want is praise. And I think it'd be better if companies would actually say, look, we'd like to know what we're not doing well, but I'm only ever given receipts or encouraged to go online and give feedback and all of that when they think they've done well and they want to be personally rewarded. It's always a little forced. Um, that is another subject, of course, the net promoter oh, score. Yeah. Um, we will do a separate uh, episode about that because it's a completely uh, different thing. Um, but it also does link into this uh, general theme. A lot does. I mean, a lot does. So I think we've covered quite a lot. Um, before we finish, I just want you to, to look at your own behavior. That's what you can control most. And if you're running a team or you're directing something, just ask, where is disloyal bonding living and how can we root it out? The good news is that um, a lot of direct coaching um, from frontline managers to their teams will eradicate this. However, lots of frontline managers haven't been trained to coach. So that's another missing. And invisible ones have never been trained to coach. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay. Well, look, thank you very much for tuning in to our Disloyal Bonding episode. There'll be more soon. You've had Jeremy Blake. And Bob Morrell. Most valuable way that you can really help Bob and Jeremy's Conflab get some more listeners, more followers, is to give us a rating and review via the platform that you're listening to us on. Bob and Jeremy's Conflab. The Reality Podcast.